0: What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Not as good a day as Aaron Rodgers or as bad a day as Aaron Rodgers. And you're like, how could you have a bad day when you make $153 million guaranteed? I'll explain in a second. Plus, we have the unofficial tip-off of the NCAA tournament. First four games take place today. We'll try and uh, contextualize why they're important and why they're truly not important. Right? (laughs) That's kind of the beauty of it. Uh, We have lots of free agent signings, which I I just like, look, let me just give you the, uh, let me just give you kind of the, the factual way that NFL people look at it. Uh, First round draft picks are a 50, 50 hit miss 50, 50 shot. Free agency is a 33% shot. Right? So, NFL people through, and this is through a hundred years of research, but especially in the more modern times, the last 25 years of data tells us that only one third of the free agents that are signed will live up to whatever preconceived notion a team would have for what a guy's gonna do. In the NFL, you don't get paid for your past success, you get paid for your future performance. And uh, so you can't factor in what somebody accomplished previous to receiving their contract. Again, that that's been a mistake in some people have negotiated these contracts, but not how it's looked at. So when somebody signs, it's great, but also temper it with the understanding that only a third of free agents really come through only half of first round picks really come through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now let's get to the story of the day, which is Aaron Rodgers Made a lot of money. And it feels like whatever Aaron Rodgers says isn't going to happen or won't be true, a week later it will, of course, become reality. Because remember when he announced a week ago that he was coming back for another year, there was talk of a $153 million guaranteed contract, which Aaron Rodgers, on his own volition, took to social media to dispel and said nothing has been signed. Nothing's been agreed to. Now he may simply be uh, factually correct and he didn't want the deal to get screwed up and he wasn't supposed to be leaked and it was leaked. All of these things are reasonable for why he wouldn't have wanted that number out there. So too is it that here's a guy that Talked about wanting to do the right thing and wanting to, be, and all be about feelings and emotions and feeling at home and whatever. When in truth, it's about the money. If it wasn't, then he wouldn't be making more money than anybody else on the planet. It's not about the money, but it is about the money, which means it's always about the money. What does that mean? It's not about the money from a money standpoint. It's a money from a respect standpoint. I got to make more money than anybody else because I'm better than anybody else knowing full well that that does not necessarily determine who makes the most money. It's more about timeliness, but seeing all the different things in which the Packers have done bending over backwards to keep their star quarterback. I think it's pretty obvious how they feel about his talents, whether he gets his money or doesn't get his money right away with his new deal. He'll get all his money up front. The question becomes, when can somebody go in there and go like, Hey, listen, this is all good and fine and all, but in order to take it to the next level, Aaron, you got to back off and just be a player. We need a free agent. We need a our, our play caller. We need someone to stand up for himself and do his own thing. But Aaron Rodgers today gets announced that he signed a deal which would make him the highest-paid player on the planet, which coming off an MVP season is reasonable. The problem is going to be, can they build a team around him? What do they do in terms of his backup? God forbid he gets hurt. He has gotten hurt in the past. And what will the Packers look like as Aaron Rodgers will without any question get older. It's impossible for him not to. And and that usually means you're done improving in terms of your arm strength. You can still, you can see more, you can feel more, you can understand more. You won't move as well or throw with with the velocity. And sometimes without the velocity comes also, you start missing targets. All understandable. But remember last week when Aaron Rodgers agreed to come back for another year, it was Aaron Rodgers who threw cold water on his own parade by saying this deal was not agreed to. Then, of course, Russell Wilson gets traded and completely overshadows Aaron Rodgers. Now, with all of these moves, Aaron Rodgers is more of a footnote. The new contract brings him right back to the forefront and we'll see how much he loves that attention, how many? How much how much he truly loves his name being mentioned atop every news story. Because it is right now. It is. But he has this ability. He has this ability to like, even on a day when he announced he was coming back, he had to correct the story that had him signing a deal for $153 million. Like He can't even let himself enjoy the fact that he's the highest paid player. He'll probably make sure there's some context to this deal before the day is over uh, as well. Get okay, none of it means you stay away. None of it means you don't, but just know that it's a very Aaron Rodgers thing to make you feel weird about feeling good for him getting paid because he does have the ability to try and dam- tamper, damper, uh, dampen, excuse me, any sort of enthusiasm that that's his gift as much as his gift of throwing a football very, very well and reading a defense incredibly well and leading men. But, like, man, this is another one. He he tried to act like he knew more and understood more than everybody with the vaccine. That one backfired on him. He's tried to do the same here with this contract thing. And it might not backfire on him, but their ability to go out and get other guys or to re-sign Devontae Adams is greatly affected based upon whatever his bottom or last dollar is. I believe his contract takes up like $26 million from the cap this year. That's not crazy. It gets increasingly more. Obviously, it gets to year three when it's over $40 million. So if you're going to re-sign Devontae Adams and give him a new deal... You know, his cap hit's probably going to be more front-loaded than Aaron Rodgers's. It's, it's all about math and moving the numbers around. But Aaron Rodgers told us last week no deal had been signed or agreed to, and it sure feels like that, that deal was already signed and agreed to with a couple of small details. And so many of the things that he has told us weren't true or weren't happening have happened. I'm just wondering if anybody wants to go with their, to Aaron Rodgers to ask him who the Cinderella is going to be this year in the tournament. I will put all my money on them. The team, he says, isn't winning. It isn't happening. That's the one. That's the one. Maybe he's in on, on one of these, you know, quasi-picks, these teams that are people say are under-seated. Maybe that's Maybe that's what we should be following Aaron Rodgers for more. Check so out the latest lines, world of sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. He must be 21. Present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania uh, to play. His cap number falls from 46.66 million to 28 million. Gives the Packers some flexibility. He's going to make 150 plus over the next three seasons. He'll make 41.95 this season, fully guaranteed. In the form of a forty point eight million dollar roster bonus, which will be treated like a salary cap, a signing bonus for the salary cap. His base salary is one point one five million, which of course, you know how it works. An agent at some point in time is going to look, he played for 1.15 million. His pay of 59.465 million is also guaranteed for next year. And his forty nine point two five is guaranteed only against injury at the time of signing for his third year. In other words, it's really a two year deal and would be a massive deal if he chooses to stay around for year three or they'd have to rework it. And of course, remember in late February, this was reported by Dan Rossini um, and when Dan Rossini said he wants to get 50 million a year, he said it was categorically false. It may have been false at the time in terms of the actual agreement, but not false in terms of the numbers. Or to
1: catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: Ramos, uh, you're a good gauge for this one. Okay. Defending World Series champion is who?
2: The Atlanta Braves.
0: Okay. Of the Atlanta Braves, uh, na- the first three players that come to your minds when I say Atlanta Braves, recently.
2: Freddie Freeman. Okay. Um... What's um, The second baseman, like, it's <laughs> right away from here. Right? He had a great uh, National Championship Series. series. Oh, uh, Dansby Swanson, the shortstop, and Austin Riley, the third baseman.
0: Okay. And I'll throw Jorge Slair in there because he was the World Series MVP. Yes. Okay. okay. So we'll, we'll throw that in there. Um, yesterday, there was a major trade in baseball. You're familiar with the trade? I am. Okay. Jay Stu, the details of the trade. Matt Olson who's a first baseman for the Oakland A's, was traded to the Atlanta Braves, correct? He was. Okay, what was he traded for? A bunch of different stuff, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably rope in Ralph Irvin for for a lot of these, but I know that he was traded for a lot of draft picks. um, Oh, a lot of prospects, I'm sorry. Yeah. Christian Posh. I mean, a couple catchers, a right-hander and a right-hander, it looks like. Am I getting so, anything
0: wrong? No, no. Um, but you would agree it's a major trade. It's
3: a major deal because I think I think Matt Olson is like kind of on the cusp of being a star, and the A's knew that he was going to be a lot of money at some point, and I think they just unloaded that. That's what the A's do, right?
0: Correct. Correct. I, I think all of that is fair, uh, but I would also tell you that I think, and again, this is it. This also just shows the baseball thing is so different than it used to be. I mean, I remember. Hot stove league. Remember when, when, um, when Kurt Schilling signed with the Red Sox, it was because you know the 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 story was that Theo spent Thanksgiving at Kurt Schilling's house, and that was hot stove league was huge. It was a major story when Kurt Schilling became a Red Sox. Right, you have the defending World Series champion, the Atlanta Braves, essentially telling the world that they're going to move. Freddie Freeman. Make a major trade, a major acquisition. This is like two days after baseball decides it's going to have a season relatively on time. And no one's talking about it. And by I say nobody, I don't mean nobody, but it does. And part of it is it's got to be that it's the the A's. And the A's are this team that everybody pretends like has to be in Oakland because historically it was in Oakland, but nobody seems to actually care enough in Oakland to build them a stadium that they need. Right? It's, I understand CAs. The Braves are much the same. They moved out to the suburbs. They got more fans, but they kind of lose their their panache, if you will, uh, being where they are. Still, defending World Series champions, going to change out their first baseman. Their first baseman was crazy, super popular, right? Make a trade. And there was nothing else going on in sports yesterday. No NCAA games. There's some NBA games, obviously. Hell, the Lakers took the first quarter off. There, there's plenty of time to discuss, and no one talked about it. How do we get here? How do we how do we get to this place, um, Jay Stu, where no one cares about baseball?
3: I think we talked about uh, the fact that the baseball has become much more a regional uh, sport, and that um, if you're a if you're a fan, you're a big fan. I just don't know if it's brought in a lot of of new fans. In other words, you and I and Ramos you know, we're getting older in age and we're going to be baseball fans. I just don't know if it's attracting the teenagers and 20-somethings, which means it's not a big social media presence, which has a lot to do with the popularity of sports nowadays,
0: I think. Hmm. That's, a great, that's a great question, is it the 20-somethings, when will the 20-somethings eventually come back around to baseball when they have kids, right? That's the lifeblood of baseball is, uh, I, you know, I still believe that they need a live betting section a live betting section um, but in addition to the live betting section uh, they it's got to maintain kind of that this is the place for families in the summer to go to I just the question becomes when those 20 somethings and 30 somethings have kids do they go back to take them to baseball games like like their their parents did if they don't that sport's in trouble if they do sport's fine
3: i agree with that and i i you know when people say it's no longer america's favorite pastime I'll parse words a little bit. I do think that people love going to a game. I think to pass the time on an afternoon on the weekend or at night, it's a great way to pass time. It's just not America's pastime to watch on TV. You know that—that's
0: the difference, right? I think so. It's interesting though because we all talk about how how boring you know how boring baseball can be, but the fact is that there's actually can be more action in a baseball game there can be at times in a football game it's just there's not the the contact and collisions right um but the actual amount of time that guys people are moving around the other part about baseball is you know with analytics and guys just home run strike out walk uh actually strike out walk home run right in in likelihood of happening in that order uh that that makes it a a much tougher watch on tv Ramos, you love and fascinated about you. You love baseball.
2: I do. I will watch spring training games and stuff like that. I have. The I like M-
0: having it on as background music. Yeah, back, background
2: <laughs> noise. I know? have the MLB package to watch the games as well. I see Apple Plus this year struck up that deal where they're going to carry Friday night games uh, exclusively. So you kind of have to have Apple Plus if you're going to watch Friday night games. So that kind of is going to put a little wrench in some things here and there for people. But I think people are streaming a lot now, right, Doug? So they may already have an Apple Plus and
0: be but rolling. do you think like people that. are going to stream baseball games? I don't
2: know. That's what Apple Plus is hoping. We'll see.
0: Well, I mean, it's just a it's just a write off if they don't make money. But everybody, <laughs> everybody else got to make money on it. Carlos Boozer joins us in the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Boozer, I know you've worked uh, ACC Network all year long. Um what do you think's wrong with Duke as, you know, they It wasn't like they dusted off Syracuse, and that's in between sandwiching losses to North Carolina and to Virginia Tech. What's going on with the Devils?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's – my biggest thing with the Duke Blue Devils – first of all, Doug, thanks for having me on the show. My biggest thing with them – I'm not worried about them offensively. My biggest thing is them defensively, right? Earlier in the year, I thought they were the top defensive team in the conference and one of the best defensive teams in the country. And somewhere along the line, they kind of got out of locking down teams. You look at that Carolina game at home, the last game of Coach K's uh, career at Cameron. They're winning the game the whole game, and then in the second half, towards the stretch of that second half, they couldn't stop that pick and roll, that double high, where Baycott would roll to the basket, and Manic would pop for the three. They couldn't, they couldn't stop that. And you look at you look at the the game against Syracuse. They didn't do a good job of stopping the meter. They there's nobody behind. It was like i I'm gonna outscore you type of game. And they took that same approach into the, the, the ACC championship game where they got – Virginia Tech got grown in over there. They got 350 seniors. They got one of the best players in the country in Keve Aluma. Uh, and so what they ended up doing was they tried to outscore them. Except D-Tech plays terrific defense, right? So even if they don't score. they about a championship game where both teams shoot over 50%. When's the last time that happened? So my biggest thing is that if they offensively they are terrific. They got a stud in Paolo Vanquero. They got to show up de- the defensive side of the ball because if they can play great defense, they can make the final four. If they don't play great defense, they can get knocked out early.
0: Um, let's start. Let's let's talk Ben Caro. Obviously, you've seen him a ton, and he played. In the, you played at the very highest level with the very best players. What what is he in the NBA?
1: I think he's I think he's a three four. You know, he's a he's a six ten guy that's like two fifty, built like a grown man and he can do a little bit of everything. He can handle the ball. He can score on the paint. He's got a, a very good touch from the perimeter, very good mid-range around 17 feet, got good footwork. He's a terrific underrated passer, um, very good defender, defender when he puts his mind to it. Paolo potentially is unbelievable. I think he can be as good as he wants to be. Um, my thing is that he, he, goes, he has moments where uh, I feel like they don't necessarily go to him all the time, and so it looks like he disappears in the game. Like in a couple of games, he'll go 10 points in a row, 12 points in a row. He may not touch the ball again for the next five, six, seven minutes. And so in those moments, I want to see him be more demonstrative, more demanding, and be like, guys, give me the rock. I got a mismatch. Because he always has a mismatch. If you've got a big guy on him, he's quick enough to go around him. If you've got a small guy on him, they got to come double team him. And then on top of that, he's a great passer. So I kind of want to see him demand the ball more throughout the course of the game.
0: Stud Gottlieb, show on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Carlos Boozer. Um, okay, the ACC was much maligned for much of much of the year, but ju- just because your conference isn't great doesn't mean that the teams that come out of the conference can't do well in the in the NCAA tournament. Like, there's no real true correlation. Okay, so let's let's discuss North Carolina. Obviously, an eight nine. That means if they win, they get Baylor. Um, have you seen a change or an evolution? In this team, that leads you to believe they can win a couple games in the tournament.
1: I think Carolina is is one of the more scary teams in this tournament. Think about a think about a, a one seed that has to go up against a, a team that could score at every position. You know, you got two great guards and Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. You got a lockdown in Leaky Black, who's six eight, can defend anybody. You got a, a, a stretch four in Manic who can hit threes, who you know lit up teams all season long. And then you got one of the most untalked about dominant big guys in the country, and Armando Baycott, who had 25 double doubles this season. Um, so that's a scary team to see if you're a Baylor, right? You got really good guard play, a couple of good talented big guys. If, if that if that matchup ends up happening, I'm think I'm taking Carolina. The only thing is about the Tar Heels is they've been so inconsistent. One game they'll be they look like one of the best teams in the country, and one team they'll get beat by one of the worst teams in the conference. So they just have a, a little bit of the inconsistency there, but at the same time, if they're on their A game, they could beat anybody.
0: Uh, all right, what do you what do you think about Virginia Tech's draw?
1: Yeah, I think they're they're terrific. I mean, think about their run, right? They come into the tournament, and all the all the experts are saying you got to win the tournament to make the NCAA tournament, right? You come into the conference tournament, a super underdog, and what they go out and do, they go out and beat a Clemson team who they lost to a week earlier. Then they go out and beat the 1, 2, and 3 seed and Duke in the championship, obviously. so They're rolling. They're coming in the term on a super high. They got a kid named Storm Murphy, who the, the country's going to fall in love with. Just a super passionate player for basketball, fifth-year senior. Kebe Aluma does a little bit of everything. He's like a Swiss Army knife in the championship game. He had 19 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Very talented. And they got a guy in Justin Mutz who can defend anybody. Pretty much double-double machine as well. So and they got another guy named Couture who had 31 in, in the in the in the in the final in the AC tournament. So they, they have a team that shoots it very well, they defend it very well, they move the ball offensively. And what I like about V Tech is and their coach Mike Young, what they if, 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 they, if they go through a scoring law where they don't score buckets, they can still defend you because all those guys can switch one through five. They they do a very good job against guys teams that have size. So I think V Tech could actually make a deep run.
0: Awesome stuff. Booz, I appreciate you joining us. Look forward to talking with you uh, a, a, as, the, as the thing goes on. Tell me about Saks Underwear. You're an underwear model now? <laughs> became a
1: little bit of an underwear model. So surprisingly, the NCAA tournament is one of the most common times for guys to get vasectomies, right? So sure. yeah. the Sax Underwear came out with the Vasectomy the Registry where people can sign their friends up to get a, get a vasectomy and they send you out a package where you'll get comfortable underwear so that while we, while you're recovering from the vasectomy you're covering in comfort right you're mm. watching the tournament you're icing your you know your goodies and you're you're in some comfortable draw so guys go to backslash registry That's sax with two x's and uh, get your friends a a good package
0: awesome stuff um carlos thanks for joining us we'll talk soon all right
1: anytime Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
0: What up Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show is broadcast live from beautiful sunny Southern California. Welcome in. Dan Shaughnessy will join us half past the hour. A uh, longtime Boston Globe columnist. We'll ask him about Brady coming back for another year. We'll ask him about uh, the Celtics who have turned it around at the end of this year. Uh, Plus, we're going to discuss Deshaun Watson, who just meeting with the Browns tells you everything you want to know about the Browns. But the team that I think... Like, look, um, we'll get to baseball upcoming in 15 minutes. But But the stories about Deshaun Watson are real. And what I tried to explain to Ralph last hour is... Every area you grew up to is, is just different, right? Local radio is different than national radio, local TV. Is just, like for example, and Jason, you know this cause you grew up here. Like Jim Hill is an institution. Jim Hill is the uh, lead sports anchor. And I believe sports director at CBS two in LA. Now CBS used to, when he started, used to have the NBA finals on CBS and so Jim Hill would not only be at these games and covering these games, but oftentimes in the press conferences, he would get the first question to ask the Lakers or ask the Celtics. That's how well, well respected he has been. CBS hasn't had the NBA in 25 years, right? It was on NBC forever. Okay, Then it moved to A- ABC and ESPN. And it also they share it with, with, with Turner. But the, the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals are either Turner or they're ABC. But if you watch these guys when they come to play the Lakers, when the Lakers get done playing and they do an interview, they take a question the first question they usually take is from Jim Hill. Why? Because he's the most respected dude in LA. He's been doing it forever. But if you're not from LA, you have no idea who that guy is. He's not an iconic, he's just he's all right. I mean, he's a nice looking older black gentleman. I don't, I don't get it. You got to understand this guy's seen it all, all the great ones. And he's the guy. Right. I say that because every area of the country is very, very different. And what they like in that area of the country might not translate nationally. You know, I have a dear friend who he played Oklahoma state. He played professional baseball, um, for several, for a long time, and he's been covering all sports in Oklahoma forever. His name is Jim Traber. Traber's very good. He is the guy in the afternoon in Oklahoma City. There have been other shows, whatever. Nobody challenges his. But if you come into Oklahoma City, like I, I who do I listen to on the radio? Why? Why does this opinion matter? Because he knows everything, and he's he he. Now you may not agree with his opinion. But he's definitely going to give it to you. And it comes from a place where he knows everybody and what's going on. His perception of something might be different than yours. But he absolutely knows all the stuff that's going on. I bring it up because there's all these other teams that are just teams pursuing Deshaun Watson. And and look, I'm sure the Cleveland thing, the Cleveland thing, it, there's a lot more depth to it, right? Because Cleveland wanted to have a meeting with Deshaun Watson is telling us everything we already thought about Baker Mayfield, only a reality. That they have, they understand there's a ceiling that's lower than they thought with Baker Mayfield. Because if you have a number one overall pick, and he's your quarterback, and he's led you to the playoffs, you're usually all in, hey, we don't even want to think about anybody else. If you're taking interviews with other people, it tells you what we need to know about how you view your quarterback. But the Browns are just a team. They're a very talented team and one that people have thought's a quarterback away, but just a team. The Panthers, at least regionally, they're closer to where he's from, but still just kind of a team. Like if I were to if I were to poll you on who started at quarterback for the Panthers this year. Who started Jason Stewart without looking, without looking, can you name Everyone who started at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers this season.
3: I can name two, and the details are foggy in my head about the third. So Sam Darnold started, Cam Newton finished, I want to say, and then there was someone in the middle, and his name escapes me.
0: Am I right? Okay. Um, yes. Yes. P.J. Walker. That's right, yeah. Remember P.J. Walker? He played for Matt Rule at Temple. And so he, uh, P.J. Walker won his only start, but played in five games. Alternating time, really, he was as much the starter at times with Cam Newton because Cam, in obvious throwing downs, they didn't put him out there because he can't throw a football anymore. But, but the point is that the Carolina Panthers are just kind of a team. You know, whoever the quarterback is of the Packers, it's the Packers. The Cowboys, it's the Cowboys. The Niners, it's the Niners. The Panthers are just kind of a team. But if you grew up in Georgia, if you grew up in the South and you're a quarterback yourself, and he happens to be a black quarterback as well. Like there's no denying. I, I don't know. Cause I don't know Deshaun. Well, I know him a little bit. I know everyone who I've come into contact with swears by his character. That's why this was so surprising. All these accusations about him. I Man, NFL people going like, did I, I would have believed anybody except for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Right. But Mike, this is just a guess. If you're from the South, if you love college football, how he played at Clemson, which is college football. Your guy, by and large, the guy you grew up watching, idolizing, playing video games of. Is likely Mike Vick, you know, maybe Vince Young to a lesser extent. But Mike Vick was the dude. I don't think. I don't think people nationally understand the level of respect that NFL guys have for him and that what the Falcons were viewed as when they had Mike Vick as their quarterback. Yes. I know Matt Ryan took him to the Super Bowl and I know by Mike's own um, by his from his own words, he didn't work hard enough when he was the quarterback of the Falcons and it could have been even better. It could have lasted longer And if he played with today's rules and today's offenses, I can't imagine how good he would be playing for the Baltimore Ravens, for example, with their offense. That said, Mike Vick is the dude. The dude. You can't really explain, I think, the college success, um, the way in which he was like Lamar Jackson's a video game and it was must-see. The Falcons weren't. A a they weren't a widely discussed team before him. They were just a kind of like you know the Panthers right now, kind of just a team. But they became must watch, and the highlights were really better than the games. But that's all you saw those games as is highlights. So this is just a guess, but for Deshaun Watson, when he heard the Falcons are interested, that's got to be a completely different emotional experience. The rest are about finding a new job, finding a team, finding a coach, finding a system, playing with guys that can play, give me a chance to win all those other good things. But the Atlanta Falcons having been the home to Mike Vick and could be the home to Deshaun Watson to me signifies a, uh, there's, they're different than the rest than the rest of the pool of candidates. They have something that nobody else can match. They have, the Mike Vick experience, which they had. Who would be that guy in LA, you think, uh, Jay Stu, that like LA people we know and we get? I mean, I think like Vic the Brick Jacobs is a guy who I, I understand these are all people who cover sports, but Vic, like if you don't know the Vick thing, like you don't, you hear, That's, I'm VTB, y'all. Like you don't know, you have no idea who that is. But L.A. people, like, oh, yeah, I know Vic the Brick. I love him.
3: Legend, Vic the Brick Jacobs, one of the, the most genuinely sweetest guys in the business, too. Um, and that's a great example. Um, I know he was national for a little while on the loose cannons, but that's a, that's a good example. I, your Jim Hill example is, is right, is, is square on the nose. Um, That guy has been in the market forever and has made a zillion dollars. And I don't know anyone outside of this county who
0: probably knows who he is. Right? Isn't that that interesting? Like, there he is. He's at every, like, I I can't tell you how many different major sporting events, the Super Bowl this year, like, there's Jim Hill and there's Jim Hill. He's been covering forever. And nationally, nobody knows. Locally, nobody doesn't know. Everybody knows. And I would say nationally, people like and respect Mike Vick. And like, yeah, he was, I loved him in college. I love the comeback and who he's become. You, you get to, in football, in Southern football. If you are, if you follow college football and Atlanta's all, I mean, and you're in Atlanta or in that area, Mike Vick's the dude. Mike Vick is the, absolutely the dude. Stug show here on Fox sports radio. By the way, a Falcon source says all options are open. It's not going to be easy. um, Arthur Blank, apparently a Watson fan from the days when he was in Gainesville, Georgia. He worked multiple years as a Falcons ball boy, developed a relationship with Blake's family. TJ Yates um, used to be the assistant quarterbacks coach in Houston. TJ also used to play in Houston. Remember, he's a quarterback in Houston. And if the Falcons trade up Matt Ryan after June 1st, they could free up $8.7 million worth in salary cap space. The question is, Do they have the guys, do they have the trade assets to give up to begin with? And of course, Ryan has a no trade clause, but my guess is if they don't want him, you know, my question would be, could, could San Francisco find a way to get him because of his relationship with Kyle?